I wonder if I'm going to be able to do this podcast without the dog barking. a piece of his mind to so many people he barely has a mind left. It's Insane Eric Lane's Stupid World. Because it's a great big stupid world And we're feeling kind of crazy as it turns around Great big stupid, great big stupid world Bringing a voice of sanity in our insane world or a voice of stupidity in our intellectual world or both it's produced with Anchor, where anyone can create a podcast easily. Find out more at anchor.fm. Here's the host of this stupid world, Eric Lane. So, we got Grandma moved in. If you checked out the earlier podcast and we got the dog here and uh, our little cat well not so little cat he's only 30 pounds he's not left the bedroom so we've had to move the litter box and the cat food into our master bathroom which really isn't that big so we're now stepping on litter and cat kibbles when we step out of the shower or the bathtub but oh well so I'm sitting in here waiting for the dog to come running in here and barking at something. But if if you hear something strange, I'm not in the kennel. But I did um, did hear something sort of interesting over the weekend. Um, and I don't normally, whenever I'm on the radio, uh, talk about too many deep topics. <clears throat> you know. Um, but uh, now that I have a podcast, I might go off the grid a little bit and talk about some things. But um, get into a little theology. Now, I uh, am pretty serious about my faith. I don't mind telling anybody about my faith. Um, I obviously host my Christian rock show, Bread and Jam, which hopefully, it's been kind of in hiatus for a while because of a small computer crash, but hopefully that's going to get resolved here soon. Um, but I also do a morning show on a country radio station, which is Star Country in Lewistown, PA. So, and, and the nice thing about working in, you know, the country radio is that they do record. A lot of country artists have a lot of songs that talk about their faith, and I think that's kind of cool. I think it's okay to talk about your faith. I think it's okay to talk about your faith to people that don't necessarily agree with it. And it's okay to disagree. If you don't particularly agree with what I believe, I'll still friend you on Facebook, okay? And I won't block you, and I won't engage with you. If you want to be persuaded, I will certainly be glad to persuade you. But, um, so, yeah, I, I, I've got a pretty solid faith. I um, basically uh, ask Jesus to be my savior uh, in 1976 at a church camp and was actually baptized um, believer's baptism um, on Bicentennial Sunday which is kind of cool 
you know, I remember um, being in the church where the baptism took place, and the whole church was like decked out in bunting, red, white, and blue bunting, because it was the 200th birthday of the United States. So it was kind of a cool way to be inaugurated, I guess, into my own faith by being baptized on the birthday of the U.S. of A. Uh, so that was that was that was kind of cool. But you know, I uh, you know went on to uh, to college and to disc jockey school, and uh, my my um, my youth pastor. He was also our minister of music for the church and really a nice guy kind of like my second father you might say but military guy you know marines i think he was in the marines or something um really really wanted me to go to college at our denomination one of our denominational schools washington baptist university good school not gonna knock it but wasn't for me i kept telling him that uh, I wanted to go to Arkansas State University to get my broadcasting degree. But he kept saying, you know, I could go to Washita Baptist for two years and then go on. I said, but Old Testament won't transfer, you know. So he did exactly, you know, I mean, he was okay. He, he understood, but really persuaded me to uh, go to Washita, as they would say. So, you know, I was in college and was pretty active in the Baptist Student Union, very committed to my local church, which was Central Baptist Church in Jonesboro. By the way, that's also the same church if you follow Zach Williams in the Christian music scene. He is uh, one of the worship pastors now at Central Baptist Church, which is kind of cool. But uh, I went there and and, uh, ended up you know, going in full-time broadcasting. In fact, this, I think I've said it in an earlier podcast that um, coming up in September will be my 40th year in broadcasting, which is kind of cool. Really never got into religious broadcasting until I was doing the volunteering on Rev FM in State College. I've been there since the station signed on the air in 2004. Um... So and and uh, I've really enjoyed it, but Christian, the Christian radio audience is definitely a different breed than the mainstream radio audience. Sometimes, sadly, the mainstream radio audience can be a bit more forgiving than the Christian radio audience, unfortunately. And there's been a few times, even just in talking about my faith on a Christian station, that people have gotten their nose out of joint. And you would think that they would be the people most understanding, right? Well, so I don't do too much theological discussions on either the Christian station or the country station. But I thought I would delve into the deep waters here because there's all sorts of nuances in a person's belief. Obviously, with me being uh, a Baptist, you know, yeah, we believe in baptism as in put them under till they bubble. But if you like to sprinkle, splash, piddle, or whatever you do, I mean, that's fine. I think if you'll still make it to heaven, if you have faith in Christ, 
doesn't matter how wet you get. Although I have my preferences. I had a guy in my church's Sunday school class who I really thought had a great, in fact, it was something from his pastor. He said, you've got absolutes, convictions, and preferences. And there are some absolutes that I won't change, which is basically anything that's talked about in the Bible. Then there's convictions, which I have my convictions, which is good. Most of them are based on the Bible. And then there are preferences. And, you know, I'm sure everyone has different preferences, and I think we can get along with that. So as far as my convictions are concerned, part of my theology, being a good Southern Baptist, and I like fried chicken. So, uh, yes, I do believe in once saved, always saved. I am a firm believer in eternal security when it comes into faith in Christ. And I've had some pretty interesting discussions with people that do not hold such convictions. And I can understand why they feel that way, but I don't necessarily agree with it. And they don't agree with me, which is fine. Um, in fact, I'll just tell you one great story, which I still remember where I was talking with a friend of mine. And he introduced me to another friend of his, which later became a friend of mine. And obviously, you know, I'm always interested in, you know, different theological ideals and just, uh, you know, always learning new things. And uh, he mentioned that he went to a certain church that sounded very similar to the kind of church I went to. Now, my friend who introduced me to this person, he was more of the Pentecostal persuasion probably did not hold to the once saved, always saved theology. But as I began talking with this person my friend introduced me to, I said, well, you know, your church sounds a lot like mine. Uh, do you believe in the eternal security of a Christian? And he said, yes, I do. And then all of a sudden my friend erupted and said, that's not true. I, you know, and he got very upset. Now, my first reaction was to look at him and go, are you nuts? What do you think the Bible says? But it's kind of like God stopped me and said, time out. Do you want to prove your point or do you want to keep your friend? And at that point, my convictions didn't mean that much. Um, so, yeah, I agreed that, you know what? He can have his differences. I can have mine and we can still respect each other. And I think if society did more of that, we probably would enjoy getting on Facebook more often. So with that in mind, you know, there is no cookie-cutter, typical Southern Baptist, especially when you look at them across the country. Now, I grew up in the South. I should say the Mid-South, because the South really is Mississippi all the way up to Virginia. And I grew up in Arkansas, which is kind of depend on where you lived in Arkansas, kind of depend on where you identified. Because Arkansas is kind of a, uh, I don't know, a mongrel when it comes to regional states. It's not really a southern state, and it's not really a southwestern state. It's kind of a mid-south. So southern Arkansas kind of takes its influence from Mississippi and Louisiana. Northwest Arkansas takes its influence from Missouri and maybe even northeast Oklahoma, um, kind of a western Tex-Mex. Northeast Arkansas, a little more like Delta, you know, so I would say Tennessee and Arkansas are kind of first cousins. So I'm not really that kind of a Southerner. <clears throat> but believe me, the Southern Baptists in Arkansas and the Deep South 
are way different than some out in California and some that are in Northeast United States. Now, I grew up with the typical mainline Southern Baptist theology that's typical that would be preached from, you know, I'm going to say in the Southern states. But here of late, more Southern Baptists have become a bit more reformed. Now, by that, I'm saying more Calvinistic. Now, I'm a Calvinistic myself. My dad used to tell me we're Calvinists because we believe in once saved, always saved. So I've always looked at myself as being Calvinistic in that way. I don't believe a person can lose their salvation, which would be more Arminian if you were following that particular strain of theology. But, you know, I coming into living in in central Pennsylvania, there's not a lot of Southern Baptists in Pennsylvania compared to in Arkansas. So the choices aren't as great. So we have found a church that is okay. I mean, it's not like the churches I've been to in the South, but it's a great church, vibrant. It's basically been fertile ground for me to continue growing in my own faith. But they tend to be a bit more reformed, meaning that they take the Calvinistic teachings another step further. It's more like Presbyterian in that when you're looking at all of the elements of Calvinism, which is the uh, acronym TULIP, okay, if you want to look that up on Google, it all stands for something. I'm not going to get into that. But the main thing is that the one area that probably distinguishes me from more Presbyterians is the topic of predestination, the topic of election, in other words. And that's an area of Calvinism that I am not on board with. I don't believe that, uh, you know, we're pre-selected to our destination. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there, there was uh, an incident at church on Sunday where I'm in a Bible study class and uh, a teaching was given on the doctrine of salvation. I was following it along pretty good until we got to the part where the teacher was saying that, you know, uh, God's foreknowledge really determines destination. And that's where my attention pretty much halted. Um, and, And I thought, no, that's not really where I'm at, where I'm looking with the Bible teaches. Um, and what about this whole thing with predestination versus um, free will? Um, so I played devil's advocate, and I said, so you know, I've heard this, I've heard this, this type of theology before. So I just said, look, let me play devil's advocate, and you say that basically God has predetermined. Um, those that will be his children, the elect, and those that will not. And so, you know, being the devil's advocate that I like to be, I said, well, what do you say to those that would come at you and make a comment like, well, what's the use in evangelizing? What's the use in sharing your faith if God has already made that predetermination? And make it a concise answer Basically, what I was told was, well, um, I guess it's not a very easy teaching to understand, but God does create some people as 
examples of his wrath. Which, in my feeble mind, uh, understood that to mean that God creates people that he intends not to save so he can display, make examples of them, basically, for his wrath. That really totally shut me down. I just don't think God does that. Um, and he, the, 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 the teacher went on to say, some people believe that God foreknows about a person as he can see through the annals of time and he can see the decisions that we will make and he knows the decisions that we will make. And he basically said that was not a biblical understanding, which I would sorely disagree with. Um, based upon my understanding of the Bible, that John 3.16, that whoever believes in me will have eternal life, not whoever I have pre-selected believes in me will have eternal life. Um, the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son even speaks about this. So, yeah, I, I, that, that, that sort of hit me funny. And, and fortunately, there are other people in my church that do not believe that way. And I was just sharing some of my ideas with this. And so, you know, uh, in talking with the teacher in this Bible study, I said, so basically then what we are to do, we are to evangelize because we are commanded to do so. And so therefore, in a sense, we are to continue to tell people about our faith in order to more or less awaken them that they are pre-selected, predetermined by God of their eternal destination. And I'm thinking... Does this mean that it's kind of like a, I don't know, scratch-off lottery? That I, you know, God printed the lottery ticket, so he already knows the winning combination on that scratch-off card that will get you the jackpot of eternal life. And Jesus was the one who paid the price to buy the lottery ticket with God's already predetermined results on it, and I am the one that comes along and scratches it off to reveal the winning prize. Is that how this whole election works? No, no. No, I, I just don't, I don't follow that. I, I, I really think that everyone has that opportunity to make that free will choice to follow Christ. And of course, the teacher in this class says that that wouldn't be true because that would mean I, the person making the decision, would be in charge of my own salvation, which I don't believe that either. I don't save myself. My choice does not save me. I make the choice to receive Christ, but I don't make that choice to save, my, save me. It's not that I accept Christ. See, a lot of people talk about, I accepted the Lord. I don't agree with that either, because in a sense, I don't have the power to accept the Lord. I don't, it's out of my authority to accept the Lord. I can't accept him. He is too far above and beyond me for my, because for me to accept something, that means I have to grant the permission. I have to I'm stronger than that person on the other side of the door. But instead, I have to 
receive it. It's more passive. It's not active. So I don't accept Christ. I receive Christ. I stop refusing Christ. I stop resisting and I surrender and I receive Christ. So my decision means I have decided to stop rebelling and receive what has been predestined for me. In a sense, I do believe in predestination, but not in the same sense, in the same type of context. It's sort of like a great example that I heard, and it's probably not a very good example because we're talking about an eternal concept, and we're trying to squeeze this eternal concept inside the cranium of mortal man. But it was a good example that Dr. Adrian Rogers gave. It's like, I'm going to go to the airport and get on a plane. But somebody has bought that ticket for me. I don't have to buy my plane ticket. All I need to do is to trust the person who bought that ticket for me, accept his gift of that free plane ticket, and then I get on that plane. Now, while I'm on that plane, that plane is destined to go from, let's say, State College, Pennsylvania, to Los Angeles, California. While I'm on that plane, I can walk around, I can get up and get, go to the bathroom, I can watch a movie, I can listen to music, I can eat snacks, I can get up and change seats and visit with people, I can move around. But that plane has already been predetermined to go to Los Angeles, California. So that, in a sense, is how I am predestined. And, and so it's something that God already foreknew. And God knew the decision I would make. And therefore, uh, but he didn't have the, he did not have the definitive control of my decision. It's kind of hard to wrap yourself, your mind around, but I read a book by um, the former president of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee, Frank Page, called Trouble with the Tulip. I'd recommend that book, by the way. Um, and I'll try to remember to put this in the show notes, in the in the podcast notes, so you can get it off of um, online. It's it's not a very big book. It's a very short read, and you can probably still get it somewhere. Um, but it's a mystery. This whole understanding of God's foreknowledge and our free will in our decision to follow Christ. And why argue with a mystery? Because it's beyond our comprehension. So I just accept that fact. Sort of like we don't argue over the Trinity, is what he said in the book. We accept the fact that we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We don't understand it. We don't have very good examples to try to comprehend what that really looks like. But we just accept it. It's that mystery. And I feel the same way about this whole predestination election sort of thing. I am elected. I am predestined. But it's because God has seen that from the beginning of time and knows that. And since he already has that knowledge, he has predestined me to be with him. But that knowledge did not orchestrate my free will to choose that. It's a pretty deep concept. And if you don't agree with it, then frankly, that's fine. Um, however, if you're listening to this podcast on Anchor, uh, the Anchor podcast website, you can actually uh, send me a message, a voice message with your comments or your questions about it. I'd be more than happy to 
engage you about that. And I'll play I'll play your question on an upcoming podcast if you want to do that. So if you're listening to it on Anchor, um, you can actually send me a a voice question or a voice response. Just make sure you let me know who you are and where you're calling from, and I'll do my best. I'm no theologian. I didn't go to cemetery. I mean seminary, um, but you know I've 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 read the Bible enough and I've heard some really good people and I'm no seminarian or some knowledge i'm just giving you my own experience and sort of how i have understood things and i could be wrong and if i don't know something i'll be more than happy to tell you uh, that i don't know but um i just kind of thought that was odd if you've ever kind of wondered about you know does god know does he control anything well there's schools of thought that say that he does and schools of thought that says that he does not he allows us to have that free will sort of like you know god put that tree of good and evil in the garden and did he do that because he made adam and eve choose to eat the fruit or did adam and eve choose to eat the fruit on their own volition interesting question to consider but you know as i said you can come to your own conclusion as to how god is uh speaking to you about that so there you have it we've kind of gone off on the deep end and into the deep water waited around a little bit and if you needed a floaty then i'll try to provide you with one for making it to the end of Insane Eric Lane's Stupid World. Please be sure to seek therapy to ensure you still have your wits with you. And if this has inspired you to try your hand at making a podcast, you can do it absolutely free on Anchor. The editing and music library are at your fingertips at anchor.fm. Download the app from your favorite app store. <laughs>